0: Amen. Well, I want to welcome you to this. Labor Day weekend. Glad that you're here. I know we got a lot of people traveling, but glad you guys are here today. I want to welcome our online audience from wherever you guys are uh, today. If you are watching this from the lake, God bless you. And uh, glad that you're glad that you're taking time to tune in and uh may the Lord make it worth your while for being here. Today, I hope you get a good chance to rest this Labor Day weekend. How many of you are like me and your spouse is going to make you work tomorrow? It's Labor Day, so you got to work. Yeah, it's it's just this way it is sometimes. Hey, uh Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And today, before we step into this message, I just want to say to you, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I would just really encourage you today just to open your heart to him. Look at me for a second. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. And it doesn't matter what you've done. The grace of our God is greater than all of our sin. And today is an amazing opportunity for you to step into a new life. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation. The old is gone, and behold, all things become new. And uh, at the end of the service today, we're going to be uh, sharing in communion together. And as we do that, it's just a reminder that uh, these elements represent a God who loved you so much that he sent his one and only son on your behalf. Amen. And I hope you open your heart and mind to that. I, I wrote in a devotional this week um, a truth that sometimes I think we struggle to understand. That is, just because we accept Christ as our Savior, it doesn't mean that we're exempt from all the challenges of life. Um, I think sometimes we feel like, well, wow, if I if I bring my life to Christ and I kind of get my life straightened out, then then I shouldn't have to deal with struggles and troubles and problems. But you know, Jesus was really clear. And John sixteen thirty three, he said, "In this world." you will have troubles. How many of you have discovered that to be true? Yes, yes, you will, you you will have troubles. He said, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And that's our our word of hope. Um, We started last week, we're just doing a a three-part series on this whole idea of being in God's waiting room. That sometimes, um, sometimes we're waiting on God. Sometimes it's 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 prayer that we're waiting for God to answer. Sometimes it's a a calling that we feel like God has put on our hearts and our lives, but we we haven't yet fulfilled. Uh, Sometimes it's a promise that we believe God has made, and we're kind of waiting for God to fulfill that. And wherever you may be, sometimes it's a time of trouble and struggle, and we don't know why we're going through it or when it's gonna be over, and we're just going, you know, God, could you hurry? And we just said, you know, sometimes we're in this waiting room, and we have to learn how to lean into God when we're there. Last week, uh, I did a message called, What's Taking You So Long, Lord?, and uh, we talked about some, some of the reasons why God has us in the waiting room. Th- today, I, I want to look at a, a different piece. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to warn you up front, this one's going to hurt a little bit, okay? And uh, we're going to have the ushers go ahead and lock the doors. Nobody gets to leave. Um, but we, we, I want to I say some things today that I think we need to hear. Because can we be honest, some of us don't wait very well. Come on, I shared this last week. How many of you are like me and you'll just don't, you just don't mind admitting you don't like to wait? Yeah, I, just don't, I, don't like, I don't like to wait in traffic, don't like to be in a waiting room, don't like slow drivers in front of me, any of that kind of stuff. But I've learned that when God's got you in a waiting room, you might as well enjoy yourself because it's not going anywhere. Uh, but some of us don't wait well. There was a story in the news, there was a, a woman, uh, actually two women, in Lowell, Massachusetts, And uh, this gal has her cart of of, of groceries and she comes up to the express lane and it's 12 items or less. And as she's waiting, evidently she's in a hurry and she's kind of flustered. Maybe maybe she's had a bad day, doesn't know. But uh, the woman in front of her, she sees her getting the items out of her cart and putting them on the conveyor belt. And of course, being the woman that she is, she's counting each item as the woman puts them. And the woman has 13 items instead of 12. And for whatever reason, this woman decided that wasn't acceptable. And so she starts saying something to the woman and the woman in front of her is like, what? And you know, you got too many items and she's, she's jumping all over and, and they get into this conversation that leads to a confrontation that leads to the woman who's waiting, having to wait, jumping on this woman and attacking her. And now the manager of the store comes over and has to intervene and they call the police and now this woman who didn't want to wait an extra five seconds for one more item to be scanned ends up in a jail cell having to wait for somebody to post bond for her to get out. How do you wait? I hope you wait a little better than that. (laughs) That's what I want to talk about today. Passage of scripture from Psalm 27, Psalmist gives us a a, a great picture of how we're supposed to wait. Read it out loud with me. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Now I want you, if you're a note taker, I want you to go ahead and circle that word patiently. He uses it twice. Because he not only tells us that we need to wait, he tells us how we should wait. We need to wait patiently. We need to be brave. We need to be courageous. And can we be honest? Sometimes that's not the way some of us wait on God. Now, here's the deal. I put this on your your outline. Some of you need to blow this up, plaster it on your refrigerator, and read it every day. Here it is. You don't get to choose if you wait. You only get to choose how you wait. Now, let that sink in for just a second. Now, let's read that statement again out loud together. You don't get to choose if you wait. You only get to choose how you wait. So, last week, I I sat down with this, and and as I was laying this out, I was thinking, man, I got to talk about how not to wait. (coughs) And I started thinking, of what are some of the self-sabotaging ways that we wait sometimes? What are some of the things we do while we're waiting on God that actually get in the way of God working in what he's trying to do? And I thought of several, but I'm only gonna give you three because I figured that was all you could take on one Sunday, okay? So here we go. I I wanna talk about how not to wait. And I'm gonna say it in, in, in kind of a commanding way. Are you ready? Hold on, here we go. Here's the first one. Stop whining. Stop whining. Come on, it's just us. How many of you be honest enough to admit you're a whiner? Oh, you liars. How many of you are sitting beside someone who's a whiner? Yeah, there go the hands. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, <coughs> I'm not a whiner, what do you mean? I never whine, I don't do that. Yeah, you do. And you need to stop. Whining is not a godly way to be in the waiting room of God. Whining does so much stuff. In fact, if you really want a study in this, I want you to go back to Exodus, and I want you to read the story of God's people coming out of Egypt and how often it talks about the fact that they whined or complained along the way. Now, here, I want you to get this. Here's here's a group of people who have been in slavery for forty years or for four hundred years. God gets them out. He performs ten plagues. He he parts the Red Sea. He gives them manna. He gives them quail. He brings water out of the rock. And what do they do? They complain and they complain and they complain. And if you read it, here's the deal: because they complained, they had to spend forty years wandering around the wilderness. Why? Whining is not a godly approach to the way we wait on God. I mean, you can almost hear God listening to him going, no, we, we should have stayed in Egypt. At least we had something to eat. God going, okay, take another lap around Mount Sinai, you know, just just take another lap, guys, you know. Why? Well, because that was their approach. Now, why is, whining, why is whining a bad thing? Well, you know, Steve, everybody whines. Well, not really. Now, some of us do a little bit, but what happens when we lean into whining? Well, let me give you a few thoughts. So let me unpack this a little. Well, let me read the scripture for you. This, this, this is good. Let me get to the scriptures first. Psalm 13, one, two, I, I just love this. The psalm that says, O Lord, what's he say? How long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? You know when I read this, you know what I thought of. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Now, how many of you have driven a car, had people in the car saying that you just wanted to turn around and smack them, you know? Are we there? You know, because that's what he's saying. How long, how long, how long? Here's what Paul says, and this is just a great word that you need to commit to memory and say this to each other and your families. Read it out loud. Do everything without complaining and read it again. Do everything without complaining and arguing. How many of you wish somebody would just do something around your house without complaining and arguing? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Stop whining. Now, why is whining a problem? Let me give you a few. Here's the first one. Whining is childish. Whining is just childish. Childish. When we're whining, we are not at all acting like the men and women of God that we are supposed to be. You you want to know what you look like when you whine, when you throw your temper tantrums. You want to know what you look like? Saw a great little video. This is so cute. Throw throw that video up on the screen. Watch it. Watch this kid. Can't get a sock on. I can't get it. I can't get the sock on. I hate socks. I'm going to tear the sock apart. Ah! take the other one off there's your brother I'm gonna throw you too no I can't stand it I'm gonna bang my head on the floor (laughs) how many of you go that's me that's that's me well that's that's what we look like it's 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 so it's so childish and such a God has called us to grow into the men and women of God that He's called us to be. And whenever we start get into that whining mode, think this with me. We're just stepping back on our walk of faith. We're just stepping back and becoming more like kids rather than men and women of God. Look at what Paul says. First Corinthians 13. Read it with me. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Look at me. You know I love you, but it's time to grow up. Amen? It's time to grow up. Whining is just childish. Secondly, and this will be really important for a lot of you, whining reinforces a victim mentality. Whining reinforces a victim mentality. Now, this is so interesting because we are called people of faith, but whining is the exact opposite of faith. And, and we reinforce in our minds that I am a, I'm a victim of this world, I'm a victim of the circumstance, and which is so crazy. I mean, just think about this with me and let me do this. Just a few moments ago, we were singing this song about how powerful our God is. We say, he can turn graves into gardens. He can take dead bones and make an army out of them. He can take a sea and make it a highway. And we're singing that and we're going, yes, yes, yes. And then things don't go our way. And we're going, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm just, uh, I don't know where to go. Stop it. Is God Who we say is or is he not? Paul says that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And when we whine, all we're doing is reinforcing this fact that we think we're powerless in this world and we are not. Look at what Paul says. Philippians 4.13, you know this verse. Read it with me. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. Do you know the context of this verse? Paul writes this from where? From jail. He, he's in a jail, either Rome or Ephesus, we don't know which. Um, but he's writing this letter to the Philippians who are trying to help him. They're sending him supplies. They're, they're concerned about him. And, and Paul writes this beautiful letter to the Philippians and, and he's trying to help them understand God's got this. God's got this. You guys are all worried about this, but God's using me here in jail. All kinds of Roman soldiers getting saved. I got, you know, the gospels being made known through the whole room. And he goes on and on. Then he gets to the fourth chapter and he says, you know what? I know what it's like to be in want. I know what it's like to have a lot. And I know what it's like to have nothing at all. He says, I I have learned the secret of being content Whatever the circumstance I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. You see this verse that we often quote it's a verse about endurance. It's about the fact that I believe I can hang on God, hang on to God no matter how bad life gets. Amen. It reinforces that victim mentality. A third thing that whining does, and I don't think we intend this, but it really is, that whining declares that we don't trust God's timing or his love. One of those two. We don't trust God's timing or his love. I mean, that that passage from we read from Psalm, how long are we there yet, God? And when when we're trying to hurry God, here's the deal. We're trying to tell God we know better when things ought to happen than he does. We don't trust his timing. Or we go, well, maybe God doesn't love me at all. And these are the moments where the enemy comes in and really messes with your head. And we have to remind ourselves, our God really does love us more than we could possibly imagine. When Jesus was talking about worry and anxiety, he makes, he, he makes these statements. He, this is from Sermon on the Mountain. From, this is from Luke chapter 12. You know, as, he, as he says, he's saying, he said, talks about, he says, there are not five sparrows uh, sold for two pennies, and yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now read it with me. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Look at me. The day you really understand how much God loves you, it is the day you'll feel a lot more secure in God's waiting room. Can I give you a second one? Stop worrying. (laughs) This is harder for us. Stop worrying. Come on, how many of you, be honest enough to confess, you've got a PhD in worrying? You guys, got, you got yeah, yeah, we do. it's just, my, my mother was one of those, she could worry the wallpaper right off the wall, man. I mean, it's just, it's just some, some of us are wired up that way, which is why we really need, we really need to keep this in check. I, I read this great, great quote about worrying, throw that up on the screen for me. Worry is faith in the negative. It's trust in the unpleasant, and it's belief in defeat. Worry is wasting today's time to clutter tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's troubles. Look at that last line. Worry is wasting today's time to clutter tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's troubles. Here's what Jesus says about worries in Matthew 6, 27. Read it with me, church. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And the answer is no, it can't. What does worry do? Let me give you a few. Worry drains our energy. Worry drains our energy. Any of you who have ever dealt with worry or anxiety like that, you know, man, at the end of the day, if you've worried all day, you're just you're exhausted. It just takes everything out. of. It. In fact, let me take that one step further. Worry not only drains your energy, it actually impacts your health in a very negative way. As I was reading some different studies on worry this last week, one of, the, one of the ones I read said that over 50%, they said as many probably as 60% of the people who are in a hospital are actually there because either as a direct result of the anxiety and worry that they're dealing with, or the anxiety and worry has exacerbated their symptoms to a point that they now have to be treated. Think about that with me. of the people in hospital, if they could just learn how to turn those worries and anxieties over to God, wouldn't have to even be there. Second thing that worry does is worry drains our faith. Worry drains our faith. Worry is our focus on the negative, our focus on the problem, our, our focus on the fear. Get this? And whenever we're focusing on our fear, what happens to God? He gets lost in the picture. I love, throw that up on the screen for me. I love this statement. When God is small, when your God is small, problems are big. But when God is big, our problems are small. In other words, the more we focus on our fears and our struggles, the less faith we seem to have. The more we focus on who God is and what he can do, the more that faith fills our hearts. Worry just drains that away. Third thing, this is all kind of a direct result. Worry drains our hope. Worry drains our hope. You see when when we worry, we focus On the dark. And the more we focus on the dark, the more we lose sight of any kind of future. Jesus said it this way He said, Your your eye is the lamp of the body. And if the light that you think you have is actually darkness, how great is the darkness? within. Let that just simmer in your brain for a second. If, if I'm focused on my worries, on my problems, on, on this negative future that I think, if, if I focus on those things, that becomes my reality. And the more that I focus on those things, the, the more darkness that gets into me. Please don't miss this. Whatever gets your mind gets you. I'm going to say that again, whatever gets your mind gets you. That's why Paul in Philippians 4 writing from jail says, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's admirable, whatever is worthy of praise, what should you do church? Think on these things and the peace of God will be with you. Uh, There was a, a story, really sad. Throw that picture up on the screen. Um, this young man, his, his name is Kevin Clark. Uh, Kevin was a uh, a, a real uh, great photographer. Uh, kind of did photography as a hobby when he was growing up, but uh, along the way, he he really felt like that was something he wanted to do. So, as a young adult, he got into photography. He was from South Africa. And one of the things that happened for Kevin was that he became obsessed with the dark side of life. And he started focusing his photography around taking pictures of dark things, um, he In South Africa, there was a lot of uh, turmoil in, in, in the country. And so he would take, uh, take pictures of people beating other people. And he took, he took photographs of, uh, of of riots and all this kind of stuff. And that became, kind of became his obsession. In fact, and he, he would try to travel around that part of the world. Um, and he ended up in Sudan. In fact, throw that next picture up on the screen. This is actually a picture. Some of you may remember this if you're old enough. This was actually on the front page of, of, of different magazines and thing this was actually won him the Pulitzer Prize. This is during the famine in Sudan, and uh, this young child is trying to make his way to a feeding station. and you can see he's actually being tracked by a vulture. A vulture's basically waiting for this kid to die. And uh, Kevin snapped that picture and won a Pul- Pulitzer Prize with it. But, but that, was, that was who he was. That was what he focused on, which is probably why. At 33 years of age, he took his own life. You see, for Kevin, his whole world was dark. And when you immerse yourself in the darkness, there's no hope. In fact, in his note that he left, though that, on the screen for me, on the note that he left to his surviving family, he said, the pain of life overrides the joy to the point that joy Does not exist. The pain of life overrides the joy to the point that joy does not exist. And if the light you think you're focusing on is darkness, how great is that darkness within? Stop worrying. Can I give you one more? Stop wandering. <laughs> Stop wandering. When I was thinking about how we, we, we sometimes respond to this whole idea of weight, the weight room, I, I, I thought of sometimes the fact we just get fed up with God. And sometimes our reactions are subtle, and sometimes they're not so subtle. Sometimes, uh, if we're honest, there have probably been some of us on our our journey of faith that sometimes we've gotten so angry with God because he did not respond the way we wanted him to that we basically just turned our backs at least for a period of time and said, if that's how you're going to be, God, I don't want anything to do with you. Um, Other times, it's not exactly like that. Sometimes our wandering is when we just give up on God, it, it, it's when we just go, you know what? I've tried and God's not coming through. So, you know, I'm not going to necessarily renounce my faith but I'm going through the emotions. Maybe, maybe the best way to say it is that we just basically become apathetic. You know, I don't, I don't know if God's going to answer or not. I don't know what's going to happen. I just, I, I guess I, guess I kind of do this. Or, or the other, and this is one that for some of us, maybe particularly those of us who have control issues, our way of responding is going, I'm just going to take matters into my own hands. You know, it's kind of like, okay, God, you're not coming through, so I guess I'm going to have to do this by myself. And so we just jump out ahead of God, and we're just going to do what we think needs to be done, regardless of whether God's in it or not. Now, come on, it's just us. But how many of you can honestly admit you've gotten ahead of God before, and it's really not a great place to be? Yeah. You, you see, the moment, and we don't think this, but the moment we start doing it our way, don't, don't miss this. The moment we start doing it our way, we are making ourselves God. And there is a God, but you're not him. And I'm not him either. There was a, um, a gal named Vicki Shad wrote, um, wrote a devotional, so good. She said that one time her and her husband were out shopping. She said she decided she wanted to get a, a tree for her yard. And she wanted one that she thought would be pretty. And so she was looking at the little you know, signs that they have there in the nurseries uh, for the different kinds of trees. And she, she saw one, uh, and it was called a red crabapple, a flowering red crabapple tree. And she said, That kind of looks pretty. So she, they bought this tree, and she said, We, we planted it. And she goes, I was so excited. And she goes, And then the very first spring, I came out, and the tree was ugly. She goes, there were no red flowers. There weren't any buds. It was just sticks and leaves that were falling off. And she goes, I paid money for this. You know, this is, this is horrible. And she, she goes, I just, I got so mad. She goes, I went back inside and she goes, then my husband talked me into go ahead and waiting another year. So the second year, she goes, I, I came back out and we're looking at the tree and it's got a few more leaves but there still aren't any flowers. And she, I, turned, I turned to my husband and she said, this, this tree is horrible he goes. I'm, I'm going to dig this thing up. Gonna, this, there's no. This is stupid. I'm not paying money for this tree. And he goes. This, you know. Just let it be. Sometimes they take longer. And you know. Just sometimes they don't happen the way you want to. And, and so he finally talked her out of it. So she waited one more year. She said. I went out the third year. She goes. I was done. She goes, there, there were more leaves, and, and yet there, were, there still weren't any, any flowers. And she goes, and, I'm, and I'm, she's not, I'm ready. I'm literally ready to dig this thing up. And my husband grabbed my hand, took me over to He says, look. And he's down inside the leaves. He said, there were this little, tiny, little blossoms. And they, I could tell that they had red in them. And she's going, that's not flowering. You know, that's a little dab of red. That's not, that's not what I want. And he said, but it's happening, honey. You just have to to wait. And she said, and I'm so glad I did because here's what I ended up with. Throw that picture up on the screen. You you see, we want to play God and and we want to take control and we want to do it our way in our timing and when we do, think about this. She, she could have dug that tree up and she would have missed all of the stuff that was lying ahead. And that's what happens for us. When we get ahead of God, when we try to take, we, we miss it. Look, look at that tree. He makes everything beautiful in its time. Amen. 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 If you're in the waiting room today, I feel for you. I really do. I've been there. And and the waiting room is not a fun place to be. But if God has you in the waiting room, I promise you this, it is for a reason. He has not forgotten you. He knows exactly where you are. He will never leave you or forsake you. But you are going to have to trust him. Look at that passage of scripture, it's on your outline, Proverbs 3, read it out loud with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. I'm going to invite you, if you would, to take your communion elements out and If you tear off the little bottom piece there, you have a little piece of bread that's in there that you can take out, a little wafer. And you can peel the the top back on the juice. And I I want you just for a few moments just to hold that in your hand. Now listen to me for a second. Today, if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, look at me, this is how much he loves you. This bread represents his body that was broken for you. This juice represents his blood that was spilt on your behalf. For God so loved you, he sent his one and only son into this world. And if you've never invited him to be the Savior and Lord of your life, just pray that simple prayer today. Open your heart and mind and let Jesus Christ take control. I'm not going to tell you that all your problems will go away, but I am going to tell you you'll have someone with you through every problem you face. And if this morning you're in the waiting room, look at these. This is how much he loves you. And do you think that a God who loves you this much is going to leave you now? He won't. And he never will. Rachel's going to, lead us in this song it's it's become a a prayer song for me as I walk and talk with God because it's just a beautiful song of of faith and surrender it's a song that says Lord I don't know where you're taking me I'm not sure exactly what all you want me to do but if you if you will lead I will follow And I want you over these next few moments just to make this your personal worship time as you pray, as you sing this song, let this be a moment where we lean into the Lord. And after we've sung this through, I'll lead us in a prayer before we receive the elements. Father, we hold in our hands um, the evidence of your great love for us. Your word says that it was while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. You laid down your life so that we could be right with you, so that we could be made whole, so that we could be healed. And Father, today, I pray on behalf of anyone watching online, anyone who's in this room, that Lord, today, for the very first time, they're inviting you in to be the Savior and Lord of their life. Or maybe they've wandered away, and today they want to come home. Oh, God, how we thank you that your grace is greater than all of our sin. How we thank you that your arms are open wide. The moment we take one step toward you, you come running to meet us. And, Father, I pray today for all of us who find ourselves in your waiting room. We're not going to lie to you and tell you we like being there. But we are going to tell you, Lord, we trust you. You love us so much enough to give your son that we know that you want our best at heart. And so God, for whatever it is that we're going through, whatever it is that we're facing, whatever it is that we're waiting on, we're gonna trust your path, we're gonna trust your will, and we're gonna trust your timing. And so today, Lord, we lay down our desires and we say not our will, but your will be done. Father, today we thank you. As we hold these elements in our hand, we remember what you did for us. We know that it's something that we would never be able to pay back to you. And so from the bottom of our heart, we thank you. We bless you. We praise you. In Christ's precious name, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Hey, before I turn it over to Rachel, um, I just want to say, at the end of the month, on the Wednesday, the 27th, it's our annual business meeting that we have and all that, but it's also going to be a night of baptism out here for the church, and, and we're so excited. We baptized 19 last April, right before Easter, and I think right now we're in staff, we have 10 or 11 already signed up to be baptized, and we would love you to be a part of that. And so if you've committed your life to Jesus Christ and never been baptized, or if you wandered away for a good period of time and you've come back and would like to be baptized again, we would love to include you in that. There is an insert in your bulletin where you can just sign up and let us know. But that's gonna be a wonderful night of celebration. We want everyone to be there to join us, but if you'd like to be a part of the baptism, we would love to have you. If you have any questions about that, feel free to call me.